Vice Show. All right, welcome everybody to episode 121 of the MX Vice Show. We have an action-packed show ready for you today as we uh, recap and um, enjoy what a great weekend it was at the Swiss round of the MXGP. I'm Ed Stratman, your host, and uh, the first part of the show is brought to you by Parts Europe. Parts Europe distributes spare parts, accessories, and rider equipment for all motorbike segments in Europe. We support the sport. It's fortified through the Thor and Moose house brands and their support of world elite MX riders like Calvin Blanderen, Jorge Prado, Langenfelder, Guadagnini, Jonas, Bogus, and nine-time world champ and Thor ambassador Tony Cairoli. Your parts dealer has access to all the big brands for your motocross enduro bike, Neckin, Pro Circuit, FMO, ODI, Cycra, Renthal, Recluse, and many, many more are in stock and ready to be shipped. Check out their website at partseurope.eu or contact your local Parts Europe dealer. With a dealer network of over 10,000 shops, we're sure there is one close to you. All right, let's crack on to the show. We've got a very special guest alongside us today. We've got Jack Chambers, who's just made his, um, his MX2 debut. How are you, mate? I'm doing good. How are you? Yeah, we're well, thanks, mate. And we're also joined by Ben Rumbold of MX Vice. How are you going, Ben? Yeah, all good. Yeah, nice one. I'm getting used to this podcast now. It's getting good. Yeah, mate, we're, we're pumping them out. So it's uh, it's good. There's so much going on in the sport. And obviously, um, yeah, last time I spoke to you, Jack, it was um, back in December. We were sort of chatting about your preseason for Supercross. You were obviously training with Zach Osborne and doing some, doing some motos with Sexton and Starling and you know, hanging out with Jet, Jet Lawrence, one of your good mates. And, um, yeah, fast forward to now and a lot's happened. You've had some some ups and downs in Supercross and now the, the ride at the weekend with um, Dixon's Kawasaki team. So just talk us through the start of your year and, and how the deal came about and how you're going. Yeah, so the year obviously started out with me playing on racing Supercross, uh, really no intentions to go anywhere else and focus on outdoors towards the end. Um there were some some high expectations going into the season for myself um, and some other people, you know, that that had on me as well. Um, and I, I worked my butt off in the off season, and and those expectations weren't set too high, I, I thought. Um, but I ended up, you know, not not achieving as many goals as I thought at the beginning of the season, um, only making a couple mains. And um, this decision wasn't wasn't based off of you know lack of result or anything like that. It was kind of more of the opportunity arose and I uh, more or less just kind of took it. Um, Zach texted me one day, uh, just a short sentence of what this opportunity kind of looked like. And I said, uh, I'm interested. And, you know, this was three weeks ago when he texted me that. So I think it was about uh, right around Detroit Supercross. So yeah. that's when all this kind of started to come about. And now uh, here we are right now. I'm actually driving in Italy to the next round. So. Oh, it's pretty cool, mate. It must have been sort of a whirlwind um, trip. Obviously, you had minimal preparation time on the on the new bike and never ridden a Kawasaki before, as um as as you as you told everyone on the TV broadcast. It was pretty cool. So, how how did you find the whole MXGP paddock and the race on the weekend and and the format and the bike? Obviously, you had a a few mechanical issues there, but to to be honest, mate, you deserve a lot of respect for taking the opportunity because obviously, you know, in this sport, they're they're hard to come by. So massive respect for, for having a crack mate definitely thank you i appreciate that yeah i mean uh the, the paddock is a bit different than uh than us i'd say just for comfortability with with myself uh you know a lot of the teams i, I know you know like the truck drivers you know my buddies are on their teams and i kind of just 
walk in and out of their pits and say what's up. And I, I didn't really, you know, know many people here. Uh, I had met my teammate just at the track on Wednesday, uh, one of my first days riding the bike. So that was kind of like the only person I knew other than, you know, uh, John Cuzo from 100% was over there. So, you know, a couple Americans that I knew. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a completely different world. You know, I show up at the at the American races and everybody there, you know, either sees me or, you know, I wave to them or, you know, it's there. It was just like a whole other world I walked into. Like, I was just like, what, you know, wow, what's going on, you know? So I had to, had to learn that and uh, the timing of everything. Uh, I have my whole schedule back home, you know, pretty, pretty down with the supercrosses and, and outdoors. So, uh, to know what times to go up when, when the latest you can be up there, when, when you should be up there for the line, uh, stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it was a, a bit of a change and I'm sure there's going to be a lot more things that I learn and, and see and, and change differently for the next few rounds and the rest of the season. Great stuff. It was good to have you on board, um, uh, at the races, Jack. I mean, a bit of distinct lack of stars and stripes flags amongst the uh, starting lineup. So, yeah, it's been very good there. Uh, how many people did you sort of properly talk to about uh, about the decision to come across? Who were the main sort of uh, people that said, yeah, have a go? And, and were there any negative voices that you decided to ignore? Um, not, not really many people, honestly, at all, other than, you know, my, my instant family, really my mom and dad didn't even tell my grandparents until a couple of days before, cause they were probably going to have so many questions I didn't have answers to. So, uh, I really talked to, to Zach the most about it. Um, and then my, my mechanic at the time, his name's Corey Barbie. We, uh, run a, help run a grip tape company called anchor tape co together. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I didn't really talk to many people. Michael Lindsay texted Zach a couple days after uh, we had kind of gotten the news. Nothing was set in stone yet, and Zach uh, kind of played dumb and didn't didn't act like he knew anything about it. So uh, I don't. I, I guess that was good. Michael. He probably knows how, how things work. So, um, but yeah, after that, it slowly started coming out. People posting about it, which you know, I'm not. It's just kind of the way it goes. Um, but I was excited for the opportunity. I really didn't know what to expect. Um, I really hadn't had all the details by the time people already started posting about it. So everything happened so quickly. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of was learning everything as everybody else was. Yeah. Did do you actually watch Max, Match MXGP and do you follow it? Did you sort of know what you'd be up against? Because obviously there's some pretty bad dudes, obviously, like yourself in um, the MX2 class. So was it, was it a bit yeah. of a baptism of fire and you sort of had a, had a pre-warning? Not, yeah, not, not really. I don't ever, I haven't really ever followed it much. Uh, only thing I knew about it was I, I played, I played the MXGP video game a lot when I was younger, but, uh, um, coming into this weekend, I really, I really had no expectations of, you know, where I would be in relation to other riders. Um, you know, where I would stack up, I had a kind of a goal, you know, I, I feel like I met the goal, you know, but, uh, I really didn't, I don't have the guys, I can't pronounce their last names. So, uh, I just kind of came into the weekend with, with no expectations and just to, to go out, have fun and, and, and learn as much as I could. Nice one. Who who did you play on the uh, computer game? Who was your character? Um, Hurlings, Carole, man, everybody. I was, you know, cool. just find find out who the fastest guy was, who the fastest AI was, you know. So, because <laughs> um, I mean, if you've played that game, I suspect Trentino's on it. So you might even know it, it is. Yeah, it's been a while since I since I actually played that track, but uh, so I may have to refresh my memory this week. <laughs> I don't think it's changed much, to be honest. 
Yeah, sometimes they run it backwards, but um, yeah, it's a pretty iconic track and it's pretty amazing scenery there, mate. So even even without the the racing, you should have a pretty good time there. But um, how, how did you find the level and the speed and the intensity? Obviously, you adapted to it quite well. Your results were impressive. I think everyone, you know, has had a lot of praise for how you did, mate, and you looked great on the bike. And um, yeah, the technique shone through pretty well. You handled that pretty pretty treacherous track well, mate. So. What were your key takeaways from the level? Yeah, that's kind of honestly the, the biggest question I've got um, from everybody, you know, that's interested in, in seeing how the weekend went was, you know, the level of, of riders. And and my basic answer has kind of been the, the guys back home. I'm, you know, I'm reading jerseys. I know who they are. I know what, you know, races they won as amateurs and stuff like that. So I see I see the guys back home as as achieving a lot more because I, that's, that's all I've known, you know, growing up and, you know, kids like, uh, Levi kitchen, me racing against him and, and Thrasher and, you know, being, being battling with them coming through and then, you know, them getting the factory rise and me never having that opportunity. Um, but coming here was kind of like a, a fresh start. I didn't really know anybody. Um, you know, obviously I, I've seen, seen videos and, you know, things that go viral and stuff of guys over here, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, it was kind of a bit different to, to just come over here and, and not know where I was going to sit. You know, uh, I know every weekend when I go to Supercross about where I will be and, you know, the goals of where I should be and want to be. But yeah, that was kind of the biggest difference. I, I think that speed wise, if you, if you matched everybody together, I, I would think I'd fall about the, the same spot. Um, yeah, those tracks are pretty wild, mate. It's uh, certainly um, it pretty it developed quite, quite aggressively over the weekend, but did you did you enjoy the whole atmosphere and the crowd was pretty cool? Obviously, the chainless chainsaws going off and the flares and you know it's a, it's it's a good vibe. A lot of those MXGP around something a little bit more different to what you're used to, I'd imagine. Yeah, definitely, and and even like the I feel like more in America, the the first couple laps, I can hear hear all the fans and stuff, and you know they're going wild, and it 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 doesn't compare to here, honestly, like. The, the fans just, I don't know if they love it that much more or they just have the desire to get loud and put smoke on the track or you can't even see on the sight lap. So yeah. chainsaws running everywhere. Uh, but, but, man, it was it was the last lap and I was still getting air horns and flags <laughs> waved right in my face right next to the track. And, and I'm, you know, mid-battle and there's air horns going off. And, I, I you know, the last lap I was still fighting for positions and – and a lot of the times at the U.S. Nationals, a lot the, the guys spread out a bit, and um, so I, I guess that kind of answers your question of the level a bit. You know, these these guys they don't they don't shut off, they don't they don't let off at all at the end. And I kind of felt like I I showed you know good speed at the end and endurance for for not riding outdoors and you know since June last year. So uh, I feel like my training with Zach has has paid off a good bit, and I felt really good. You know, I, I came off of the the qualifying race. Obviously, after the the pipe issue that I had, and and I said to to Steve, I was like, I could do another thirty minute moto right now, you know. So that was kind of a bit of a confidence booster. Not not even just position wise, just feel on the bike. Um, it obviously has been you know a little bit quick and rushed to get used to the Kawasaki. I've never ridden Kawasaki in my life, uh, other than this past week. So, um, but yeah, those were kind of the biggest changes and the the setup kind of worked good for me uh suspension wise i didn't really make many changes obviously this tomorrow i'm gonna go riding and, and test out a bit but maybe make some changes from here and obviously there's always room for improvement 
you've joined us in a nice spot on the schedule, really, if you're obviously not uh, the sand of Sardinia's behind uh, behind you there, not uh, obviously you've managed to miss that one. And then we've got a nice run of Trentino, Portugal, Spain, France, all pretty decent hard-packed tracks. Are you dreading the sand? Or are you going to get a bit of practice in before you start going to the places like Latvia and Lommel? Or is that not even in there? No, yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually looking forward to the sand. Um, okay. I, I grew up in Florida. Obviously, a lot of people over here may not see the Florida sand like, you know, the sands of Lommel or, you know, anywhere like that. That is just super deep and rutted and gnarly like that. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. And honestly, they were saying that, that this was one of the, the worst tracks of the season. And uh, I kind of I kind of enjoyed the track. Uh, it was super fun. <laughs> Um, yeah, I had to, had to find a flow. I, I lost it in the middle of, of one of my, uh, actually both of my motos kind of lost a flow in the middle, but started to find it again. But you just, you get out of that flow and, and, and the, the forward drive of all the guys, you, it's so easy to lose time so quickly. So I felt like with, with the sand races, you kind of just keep your distance from the guy in front of you to not ruin your goggles, but to kind of lock in with them and just kind of send it in the sand and have the endurance to go the whole time. Yeah, was was the obviously I was speaking to a couple. Of, I spoke to Maxime Renault earlier, and he was saying um, the roost wasn't too bad for him because obviously he was out front for quite a lot. But um, yeah. like Fevre was saying, the roost was uh, pretty brutal, mate. And did there was a lot of feedback from the track, like you heard Fernandez on the Saturday. I think it was saying it was like a flattened field with some jumps. It wasn't really that exciting a track, but a lot of people liked it too. Like obviously the French guys loved it. And what did you think of the roost yeah. from the track? How was it for you? Well, the, the roost in the second moto wasn't as bad. Um, I decided to just cut underneath everybody and not, not try to send it into the first turn and, and came out very well for, for uh, you know, getting the positions docked on the qualifying races and having a 21st gate pick. Um, but, yeah, I just second moto, I got the jump just to kind of feel the clutch and everything in the bike, and then I just slammed on the brakes, put my blinker on, turned left, and actually, I might have forgot to put my blinker on. But uh, I went left all the way inside and just I came out top 10 um, and just run with those guys for a little bit. You know, a couple guys passed me quick because I may not have that intensity right off the bat. Um, but then I kind of just kicked it into gear and, and started fighting. So, but yeah, the the, the roost was, was gnarly. I've got marks and, and bruises all over my shoulders. And, and uh, it, uh, it's not it's not like America. It, the roost is maybe a little bit softer over there. Obviously, like the Colorado, and there's a couple rocks at the Fox Raceway Paul around, um, but it's it's not as bad as uh, as this round this weekend. I was walking the track with my teammate Courtney, and I was looking at all the rocks, and I was you know I was picking up the big big rocks, and she was just laughing at me. I was throwing them off the track, like, oh wow, this one's gonna hurt. Oh, hold on, this one, like, <laughs> brilliant. So Courtney was like, that ain't nothing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Obviously, there'll be a few at Trentino this weekend as uh, as well, mate. Yeah. So you'll be you'll be aware for them, and um, definitely get the handguards out and all the chest protectors and all that. I'm sure. Oh yeah, I might just wrap my arms in bubble wrap this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've defended the track all all day. I've had people in the UK saying it was like a local practice track, and you know, like a, a club meeting and things like that. And I thought I quite liked it with the the jump, the uphill jump, and that bank. What what was that like, Jack? Because that looked that looked steep on camera. And yeah, things... it was. Uh, actually, I really like, obviously I come from the, you know the mountainous state of Florida, so I got like, tons of hills you know, in Florida to practice on. So, but, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, 
off camera was actually fun. Uh, I had a, a, a pretty good line that I cut back and angled underneath in that first moto. I passed probably six on the camber because uh, they kind of flo- all flowed to the outside and then went back up on the hill. And I squared underneath them and shot right down like the water truck land, which you know is still part of the track. Um, but I just yeah. cut them off right down to where you went down the bank. And that was kind of like the line that I used to to catch. Uh, I think it was the Cowie guy ahead of me, um, the KRT rider ahead of me that was in that second moto. Uh, that's how I kind of caught him. And then also uh, Sector 1 of the lap, actually my lap, Sector 1 was my fastest. Um, I had a super good line in in that first, first section after the finish line. But, uh, yeah, I actually enjoyed that, that off-camber well yeah it was a good one i thought i thought well um yeah that that reminds me of like i've seen several tracks in the 80s like that so it quite surprised me that the old school gang were still uh ganging up and, and hating on the track but um yeah it just i don't know you just can't please some fans i guess you know because i mean it wasn't really heavily ripped was it i mean in, in terms of preparation it didn't look like it had been you know rotivated and, and ripped up badly at all was it quite a hard pack in most places um yeah there was actually some sections um right before for the mechanics area, there was kind of like a split lane roller inside, roller outside, kind of or roller inside, inside kind of thing. Um, yeah. And then also before the finish, those were like two kind of flat spots. And they, those were like, you know, cobblestone. Like it was complete slick. If, you know, you weren't straight up and down and and light on the throttle there, you could get spun out really easy. Um, actually, the, that section right before the finish line was a super tight right hook and then a uh, kind of a, a longer left-hander before the finish and if you didn't get that angle right and you were trying to not get past there you had to almost slam up against the wall uh to carry your speed and not clip the tough lock at the top um and still scrub the jump so it was it was quite techy uh to be able to go through that section and still carry speed and not just kind of like quarter throttle you know but yeah that it was uh there was a couple rock spots on the track but Overall, I thought the the base was kind of inconsistent in some spots. Uh, there were ruts like three foot deep out there in some places that you know you go down in the rut and your bars are level with the track, and then in other places there's before the rollers there was almost no ruts on outside in the second moto, um, and then uh, they they flattened the track from from Saturday to Monday, which a couple of people weren't too happy about, but I think that if they would have left it. Um, from from Saturday, I think it would have gotten too hard and kind of been sketchy. And the faces of the jumps, mm. if they weren't to fix them, uh, would have been kind of kind of scary. Yeah, it was a good effort, mate. Obviously, you had to be pretty focused and concentrated the whole the whole time out there. What what was your take on having that Sunday off as well? Did that sort of um, is that a good thing for you, or did find it upset the rhythm a little bit, or dragged out the weekend? Did you find that all right? Uh, that was actually kind of an interesting thing for me because I'm used to flying in Friday. And flying out Sunday morning or, you know, sometimes Saturday night after the race um, for Supercross and outdoors. So this one, you know, we we got in on Thursday, um, got, went to the track on Friday, race, made our qualifying and qualifying race on Saturday. And then on Sunday, uh, we went into to Zurich and, you know, rode some scooters and bicycles around, just kind of active recovery and just kind of chilled out for the day. Um, so it was it was quite weird. It was it was more like that was uh that was the start of the weekend before the race and then yesterday was actually sunday and then today was a monday it was just it kind of offset the whole schedule but you know for me it's all new i just flew in last week on monday so i'm still getting used to the time change and the bike and the team and 
some different languages I'm trying to hear and understand and everything along with that. Yeah, absolutely. The, the French and the Italian, I think, has got to be worth a look. I've got uh, I've got the two books here that I can fully recommend, Jack, if you want to pick some up. There's a 15-minute French to learn in just 12 weeks, although you can crash it half an hour a day if you like in six weeks, which is my job for the French GP. So we're going to have to go at that, you know? <laughs> I, think I'll, I think I'll stick with trying to find some friends that can translate for me. <laughs> I say, well, Italy's easy. You just say ciao everywhere. It's fine. It's both hello and goodbye. No problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice one. So, I mean, you, you think you'd be okay with the, the cultural side of it? So you've got a few friends to help you out then who, who's, who's sort of helping you out in terms of translation. Because it, it, Steve Dixon's organizing it. Is it a British-based team or whereabouts is he based? I don't honestly know, I must be honest. Uh, yeah, so he's based out of uh, England. Uh, Southampton okay. is where the, the yeah, closest big town is. Um, we flew in there on, on, we flew into London on Monday and went to the shop and everything and checked it out. Um, but yeah, we, we, obviously they speak English. So that was a, that was definitely a positive for coming over yep. here and, and having an English team and not having to worry about, you know, bike setup or anything like that being translated. Um, obviously we all have our dirt bike sounds we can make and use our hand to show what the bike is doing, but it's a lot easier <laughs> to explain in words. Um, Sure. But yeah, I mean, there's a couple people that I I know of and you know can become friends with you know mutual friends throughout the the industry. Um, but but right now I haven't had to translate much. So maybe when we get to the Spanish rounds or or uh, places that I mean I, I don't think many people that I know speak speak German um, or anything like that. So um, yeah, I just kind of have to figure it out or use Google Translate. You know. <laughs> yeah, I think luckily a lot of people uh, should should speak English to help you out, mate. And, um, you know, hopefully you'll, you'll, be, you'll navigate your way around. You sound like you've got a pretty good support team around you. And how, how was everyone? Everyone was um, probably wanting to talk to you. Everyone was pretty – you were received well, your presence at the weekend. But obviously, it looked like you were a lot of – like the TV guys were keen to chat to you. And you must have probably had a busy weekend dealing with media and stuff like that. It might have – was it a bit draining? Uh, I mean, not really. I actually – I'm pretty sure I missed my first media opportunity – um, whenever it was, uh, free practice on Saturday or maybe even time practice, uh, I was a bit rushed and, and late, not knowing what time to get up there. And, you know, with the whole schedule being different, um, they were waiting on me with the cameras and everything and they couldn't find me. So they're like, Oh, we'll move on to somebody else. So I missed that one, but I, I you know, I, I regrouped and, and, and came back for yesterday and showed up on time. So, uh, we'll plan on doing that every weekend and maybe get more opportunities to, to have an American speaking on MXGP and have a lot of the fans back home, you know, seeing me and, you know, uh, you know, wishing me the, the best and, and going out and there and showing what, uh, what Americans can do. Yeah. There's a lot of, obviously a lot of hype around you. Um, that interview we did, I just reposted it and it, it did really well on the site. People were really enjoying hearing your story, mate, and, and seeing how you've come through to get to where you are today. And, Looking forward, are you planning on doing the whole season or have you got a set amount of GPs you're, you're targeting? Is there any um, plans or is it just sort of a you've just got a block you're doing for now? Uh, so basically, I'm just here right now. Um, <laughs> the plan is to do the whole season. Um, you know, if anything changes or, or something else comes along, which I don't think will uh, at the moment, but I think we're just going to stick with what we've got for now and, and this, the team is good. So uh, I think we'll be able to progress together and, and get better uh, throughout the season goes. And um, but yeah, the, the plan is right now to to raise the, the remainder of the season and 
And uh, there's been a bit of talk maybe next year to to do a couple rounds of Supercross with Steve. Nice. Okay. Is that um, is that including, you know, the um, the faraway rounds? So you, you're going to take the, the trip to Indonesia and then later on the Vietnam one? Yes. Yeah, I, I think there was talk about um, not going to Vietnam, um, but I've, I've, if I've heard right, I'm pretty sure we're in for everything but that one. Um, and I, I'm not even sure if everyone else is going to the, the Vietnam one. I'm not, I've, I've heard some, some things about it, but, um, maybe, maybe that's just our team, but yeah, for sure. So uh, have you actually uh, spent much time outside of the U S before this? Is this like your first time outside of the USA? Um, so right now we just came into Italy. So my first time in Italy, but, um, I have been to England before. Um, I've raced in France twice actually for MX master kids, um, for team USA. Um, we flew into Frankfurt and kind of drove around, went down to Austria, uh, near Lake Constance in Switzerland, um, Germany area and all that. So I've been around a little bit. Uh, with my family in 2017 and 2018 before COVID happened. Um, so I got a bit of traveling done, which I was glad before that all happened. But um, yeah, now I get to go to you know, 15 different countries this, just this season. And and that's, you know, an experience in itself. And after after this round this weekend, my parents are going back home and, and I'm going to live on my own over here. Um, so I've kind of made friends with my teammate, Courtney, and she's going to kind of show me around and, and <laughs> do everything I need, help me out with some stuff. Uh what the normal plan is throughout the week. So, um, but yeah, she's only got a couple rounds left. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've got, a, you know, my season's just started. Yeah. She, she's a very impressive rider, obviously, uh, too, mate. So and, and what did you think of all the, the other classes, obviously the, the AMX 125, the WMX and the MX GP, what were your sort of key, key thoughts on all of that? And, um, well, first of all, the, the WMX, I watched the, the, uh, a couple of the highlights from Sardinia and I was like, shoot, maybe my teammates going to be able to beat me at the practice track once in a while. She rips. But uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't watch any of, any of the EMX 125 or, or 250. I'm not sure the 250 races again. I think it's EMX 125. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, the, the chicks over here rip. So uh, they're, they're definitely on another level. But um, yeah, I actually had an opportunity at one point right before COVID happened to come over here and, and race EMX 125. Um, but then COVID happened and, and kind of everything got jumbled up. So that never really, you know, made landfall. Yeah. And what about the MXGP guys, you know, your Hurlings, your Prado, Renault. So oh, what, yeah. what were your thoughts watching them? Must've been pretty cool to see them in the flesh. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually, um, just recover, doing my recovery spin after, after my moto, um, on Sunday and watching those guys, I, said to Courtney, I was like, geez, like they, they, they may not be going like seconds wise, actually crazy amount faster than us, but they just look so smooth and like their corner speed and their, their angles and everything. So I'm actually going to kind of watch a little bit more of that. Cause I wasn't able to you know go up to the track and watch those guys ride this weekend. So I feel I'll be able to learn a bit, um, of, of what they do with watching, watching them more and, you know, haven't watched MXGP much. Um, so I think with watching those guys more, obviously they're at the highest level. They can go over to America like Hurlings has before and, and beat every one of those guys. So they're, uh, definitely, I feel like I see the MXGP as the F1 of dirt bikes. Um, now that I've been in the paddock and everything, um, 
especially Kawasaki's new rigs and, and a whole line of other guys that, that teams that have those super nice rigs. Um, so yeah, it, it was super cool to see that. Yeah, amazing. And um, I, I'm definitely going to steal that quote from you about the chicks over here, Rip. That's going into an article, I'm afraid, Jack. I'm going to quote you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so right from that side, I mean, do, do you get asked about the MHGP much from guys at home? Are they? Uh, is there as much interest? Because we see quite a few people key into the site from the States here, especially on the MXGP stuff. I mean, Ed, you keep a, a close eye on the numbers and, and mm. forgive me if I'm wrong, but there is still a good American audience for MXGP. So so how how, how are people sort of talking to you about this? Are they really curious about it? Yeah. Uh, actually, I had a, a lot of people actually say that they, they're excited for it now because they don't normally tune into the series. Um, so now they're excited to watch the whole series and have something else to watch whenever there's, you know, a, say a weekend off of, of racing or even Sundays, you know, we race on Sundays here. So Saturday they can watch us motocross. And then on Sundays they'll watch, you know, the American go out and the MXGP. So, um, but yeah, I had a lot of people actually say that they're going to watch it this year just cause I'm racing and they're going to root for an American. So, um, it would be cool to see the, the numbers wise of, you know, what, what, you know, me coming here has added to, to the viewers. Yeah. I reckon obviously like the Americans are still the, the number one, um, the readership on our site and, and listens and all that. So um, it ties in perfectly that, that you've joined up, obviously, with us focusing heavily on MXGP, mate. And you expect those subscription numbers to rise. Obviously, James has said in the past that the, I think Indonesia is like number one for TV subscriptions, mate. So you've probably got a few wow. more fans over there too. I'm sure you've received a lot of messages and um, of support yeah. from friends, family, just general fans. Has it, has it really motivated you and vindicated your decision to come over it definitely has um and and even just with everyone around the pits and and other riders you know you, you know i walk in the track and you're like oh how was the trip over and i'd never heard of these guys before and never actually seen them in person um some of them i've seen on instagram and you know they just uh it was surprising how you know you know back home well i i grew up in a in a racing community that was you know all family it was super uh it was like racing in the woods and off-road. So it was super family oriented and uh, stuff like that. But once I got to the motocross scene of things, it, everything was so cutthroat and, you know, people just kind of side at each other and, and walked around. So it was actually refreshing to see, you know, people, you know, actually interested and not, not to say interested in me coming over here, but, you know, curious on, you know, how my trip was over, you know, what am I, what are my expectations? You know, how do I like everything? So that was definitely cool to see and, and, you know, all the, the messages and, and especially, you know, friends and family, of course, but people that, that don't normally reach out were, you know, saying good luck or, you know, e- even the, the people over here that I'm racing against uh, and some of the EMX 125 kids were messaging me. So it was cool to see, you know, a lot more people than just the Americans, you know, reaching out and stuff like that. Yeah, you're obviously a very good ambassador too, because you speak so well and you, even though you're so young, you're very like, quite calm and composed and you articulate your your words and your thoughts well mate so that that would sure would only grow things and um your, your parents was must be pretty excited for you too how have they taken the news yeah my dad uh my dad normally he struggles to find the positives in a lot of things um and this weekend he he found a lot more than usual i don't know if he was kind of messing with me or faking it but uh it was i i think this weekend was was a was a real uh experience for all of us together as a family my sister wasn't able to make it um for this trip maybe she'll come over for a couple other rounds but um 
but yeah, my, my dad was super positive about the weekend. Um, but my, both my parents are, are hard on me cause they're, you know, my, they love me so much and, you know, my, my biggest fans and, and biggest critics at the same time. So they want me, they want to see me succeed and everything. So, um, they're obviously helping me with, you know, line choice and stuff like that. Um, but my mom is, is definitely going to be sad when she flies out of, uh, out of London next week and, and I'm staying here. So, um, that's, that's going to be a little tough. I haven't left my mom for, for more than a couple weeks at a time, you know, going to California. So, uh, yeah, she, she makes me breakfast every morning. So I'm pretty spoiled. <laughs> hey man, if you're around Southampton, the breakfast over there are spot on. You'll be absolutely fine. No problem with that. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll maybe just have Courtney make me breakfast. You know? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So if you're going to be living and based in the UK, then I mean, it, is there an option to like try the British Championship round? I mean, I'd be quite happy to uh, to welcome you there and, and see what we uh, yeah how you fare against our MX two boys. Yeah, a couple people have actually mentioned that to me as well. Um, but they are. <laughs> Steve hasn't said it much to me, uh, but but Zach Zach has obviously tried to find every every route and opportunity that I can to get more experience, and that was kind of his biggest thing for for suggesting this opportunity to me, you know, he, he listed out all the positives and he listed out all the negatives. Um, some of the negatives outweighed the positives. Um, but you know, I, I still wanted to, to come over here and, and, you know, do this opportunity and, and take it, take it on and, and see what I could do. Um, so with the first weekend and how it went with only a couple of days on the bike in a new country, um, and, and just flying over this past week, I feel like, uh, if that's, if that's my baseline for the year, um, I'm definitely going to be leaving away from the tracks pretty happy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, um, yeah, it was, I mean, knocking on the door of the top 10 there for sure is definitely a great start. And uh, like you say, for a completely new experience as well, you're only going to move forward with uh, more work on the bike and, and more time under your belt. So, yeah, it's certainly, um, yeah, it's an exciting prospect to see uh, how you're going to shape up for the year. I think there might be a podium in, in the future, perhaps. We'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, it's going to be good to see how you get on, man. And like I say, it'd be, it'd be great if you could fit in a, a British Championship or two. I mean, I do the commentary there, so it'd be great to, uh, to see you. And there is a live stream, so American fans can follow it as well. I'm sure that uh, okay. that's why yeah. you'll have some, you'll, you probably will have some phone calls as well for, for that very reason. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I will, uh, you know, speak to Steve about it and, you know, Zach as well, because he makes my program and kind of sets everything up and, and keeps me on track of where I need to be. So I'm uh, very thankful for that. But, um, yeah, that could be an opportunity as well. Yeah, yeah, we um, obviously only you've only got a little bit more time left with us, mate. But it's sort of any any closing thoughts, any people you'd like to to thank um for for the journey and the adventure so far, mate. It's um probably a bit of a whirlwind experience for you, mate. But sounds like your your attitude and your approach is um making sure you're loving it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I definitely gotta thank thank my trainer Zach. Um, you know, if if he hadn't come over here and raced for Steve, I don't think this opportunity would have arose as well. Um, so yeah, definitely Zach and and Steve and especially Zach's whole family for you know helping me out this this whole year and stuff. Um, but but yeah, the whole team, everybody that that helps helps out. Um, I'm I'm now learning, you know, new sponsors and everything. It's only been a week with with the team and everything. So, um, you know, as maybe, maybe by the time we're on the podium, I can list every single sponsor and you know give everyone a, a special thanks. But um, do I definitely we don't do that looking forward to that moment. <laughs> 
No, nah, mate. Um, any any closing thoughts from you, Ben? Yeah. Any questions more before we let him go? No, not at all. No, I mean it's uh, yeah, like like I say, the, the sponsoring name out thing doesn't really happen in Europe. So it'd be interesting to see the contrast if you do get the old podium interview there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, yeah, I think it's really exciting that you're here, Jack. So uh, yeah, I'm thoroughly looking forward to watching your progress through the year. Thank you, I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it as well. It's going to be an experience for sure. <laughs> yeah, mate. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time to have a chat to us. Um, yeah, we really appreciate it, and hopefully we get you on again soon. And um, yeah, I hope you have a good week ahead leading into Trentino. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. All right, no worries, mate. Thanks and have a good one. Ciao. You too. <laughs> so is brought to you by AS3 Performance Parts, the home of aftermarket motocross and enduro parts. From hardware protection parts, including skid plates, radiator braces, to performance cooling parts, including silicon radiator hoses and oversized impeller kits. AS3 also have a huge range of brake, clutch and gear levers, all with different features and adjustability. Check them out online at AS3 Performance. All right, we're back with Ben Rumbold, who's um, done a great job covering all the MXGP with us this weekend on the site. And um, have a bit of chat about the races now after that great interview with Chambers. Um, how was the MXGP for you, mate? Obviously, Maxime Renault was was exceptional. Um, I had a chat to him yesterday. You predicted it. Uh, he, he's in great form. He's he's in Italy already at the moment, uh, doing some testy testing already to get those starts even better at, um, with the Renaldi guys. So he's he's really really confident, really motivated. Um, Still not completely satisfied. Still, he's one of those guys that's just relentless and wants to work as hard as possible to get everything better and improve himself as well as the bike. So what was your take on the weekend, mate? I said a massive merci beaucoup to Maxime Renault for making me look very, very clever by picking him uh, for the win. So that was really cool. Uh, Yeah, I mean... um... The, the Yamaha has a great bike this year. We can see that. And uh, yeah, he's, um, it's proven well. I mean, what I like about it is that um, although Prado got a whole shot and hit race one, um, you know, the starts are not totally being dominated by Jorge this year. Although um, I think Maxim pointed out in this little interview with you that, um, yeah, he needs to get on the case on Saturday uh, as everybody mm-hmm. does. I mean, Jorge yeah. is just hitting the eject button. And like Maxim said, although, the Grand Prix winners for both Fernandez and and uh, and now Maxime Renault have both been topped in points over the weekend because Brado has, yeah. has, has done more on the Saturday. Um, so that's just the the new the new way of MXGP 2023. Really, uh, it's pretty fascinating to see. But this time on the Saturday, it wasn't a classic Prado hole shot and hide. You know, he came back and fought hard to pass somebody, and that's that's probably the biggest criticism that you can maybe level at a Jorge Prado so far in his career is that if he has a bad start, he hasn't made progress through. Um, and therefore that makes it not quite as exciting as the likes of Jeffrey who can, you know, churn through a sandy Sardinia track to, to get second and have us all on the edge of the seat. So yeah, it's uh, it's going to do his, um, do his fan base a world of good if he can like, uh, you know, obviously he wants to start and, hide every time but uh it'll, it'll do uh it'll, it'll do wonders for the show if you like that uh if he can actually make forward progress in the races when he doesn't get a great start um then uh, then i think everybody's going to have a lot to, <laughs> to battle with because the boy is is always there or thereabouts and uh at the moment i mean maxime is right to be concerned because yeah he did outscore him over the weekend um yeah. and that is the the, the, the key thing if he keeps doing that 
he's champion simple as um but uh not to go too much on this monologue but one thing that just occurred to me there is that i looked at the points at the end of the weekend and if you take away the saturdays prado still tops it oh that's pretty interesting right so yeah it's not just um those those perfect three um qualifying races that that are doing it prado is also doing the business on the sunday as well yeah, he's been very consistent in his riding and he's yeah it's like Maxi was always like frustrated like he put so much effort into winning and you still lose ground like it's um it's a bit of a funny conundrum they're all facing at the moment with well, Prado's loving it the other guys probably not so much in the qualifying races but yeah he's putting himself in position in those second motos where he can just it seems like he's just managing things quite well because he knows that he's banking those points and it's a long season and he's he's got those qualifying ones in the bag and yeah, he obviously, I think by the time Maxime worked into second in that first moto, he already had nine second lead. So, uh, yeah, and he said in that in that second race, I can't let that happen again. So, Renault yeah. put the hammer down pretty quick and wanted to get to the front as as, as fast as he could. And he, he rode well. He, he was well balanced on the bike, wasn't he, mate? Those ruts were pretty savage. And the track in general, there was a lot of... Um, sketchy points and he said he had a bit of fun on the talladega turn up the at the top of the bank there mate that looked like a good a bit of fun there was some there was some interesting lines going on there some, some guys going super high some guys always knife and front wheels doing inside lines mate so the, the track yeah. uh divided opinion but i think it was a sort of a good for the calendar even if they're just for one week or you know not every week i think you don't want something like that maybe i think the, the riders might enjoy it but um yeah it was something different and and even the the organizer of that Swiss event was like, ah, it's not the best track in Switzerland, but we kind of did what we could because we need the paddock room. So that was sure. what you got. Yeah, I mean, I think it was, I remember it being pretty poor a few years ago um, and they definitely made improvements from there. Uh, things like that Talladega corner and the, um, I like the jump where they went over the bank uh, and then around the other side, I thought that was quite reminiscent of like some old French tracks back in the day. So um, yeah, that was quite decent. I, I Definitely, it was above uh, above the sort of, dare I say it, Turkish supermarket car park circuit, which you know is is always a, uh, uh, should we say, an enthusiast, an enthusiasm tester for me. You know, uh, you think, oh, we're going to Turkey, and we're going there, and it's like, you know, it's just a bit. Uh, so there aren't too many of those. I made the point today online. I, I had a day of online debating with people about this circuit, and I'm like, well. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, it's yes, it's not the most brilliant circuit on the calendar. And it, for the Swiss guy to even say it's not the best circuit in Switzerland is quite funny because, you know, th- there's people saying that Pyrrhon is still available and that is an amazing circuit. Um, but the ground is very much the same and the track design was quite decent and it encouraged some racing. You saw quite a few mix up of lines. Jager here is going around the outside of people. Mm. Um, in fact, quite a few people going around the outside when the inside rut got too choppy. So, uh, yeah, I thought it encouraged a good bit of uh, passing maneuver, a good few passing maneuvers anyway. And uh, yeah, made for a good day's racing. Um, yeah. Don't think Jeffrey liked it much, though. No, yeah, it was definitely like there's a, there a lot of areas to move around. Like you could, there was so many different ruts. Um, even guys started obviously missing ruts on the jump faces, that, especially that little roller before the, the pit straight. There was. Some, some nice some, some nice lines going on there, just really, really tucking inside to get us that little bit of extra drive and and sort of not not get stuck as much because they do get pretty chewed out on that track, as you saw. And as Jack was saying, you know, they're, <laughs> they're getting pretty wild. But, yeah, I know, obviously, yeah, like you said, Hurling's not really 
finding his rhythm all weekend really it was sort of just a challenge and I suppose getting banking some more points getting getting fourth and it was a bit unusual in some ways to see him dropping back like he did and Renault got him in both motos and you know he's yeah. obviously in supreme condition um, physically and mentally as well which which helps but um yeah I suppose the damage limitation round uh, it was going to be for hurlings like it was for Webb and the Supercross this weekend mate <laughs> Yeah, that's right. It, it definitely was one where he wasn't pushing. You could see that with with Jeffrey. It was one where he said, "Okay, this is just a fifty-seven moto season." Um, it was quite entertaining to see, like um, Fevre pushing distinctly harder. I thought than 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 maybe Herlings was, and uh, yeah, Fevre in particular in one of the races there, he was uh, all over the back. Was it Prado? He was just trying trying time and time again to get past and just couldn't pull the move. So, yeah, massively frustrating for him, but. Um, yeah, it, it was tricky, but uh, I thought it was still a, a good challenge. And, yeah, I think uh, Beverage is one that definitely yeah, needs to be highlighted. His speed was excellent. He obviously, he got okay starts, but he sort of just didn't get the first turns um, as he would have liked. But, yeah, his speed was pretty good. I was very impressed with his riding too. Not the easiest track to pass in some spots, and he just copped roost like all all day long, really. And <laughs> you hear him afterwards saying he could barely feel his face. He was just stuck, you know, like just... <laughs> Just absolutely but yeah. it was good to see him like he had good te- good intensity good speed he looked really good he had a few sketchy moments pushing the limits and yeah because he kind of had terrible. to to get get the passes but what did you think of uh, Roman's day I think it was impressive yeah I mean he, he showed that he's definitely definitely 1000 percent up for this championship again I mean uh he had that conversation I had that conversation with him at uh, at Hawkstone and he made it clear that you know he he knows his age he knows he's over 30 now and he's pushing to um to get the a world championship and it will be a bit of a record breaker if he does because nobody has gone eight years between championship number one and world championship number two nobody's done that so you know it's it's super impressive that he's come back to this level again um and he looks good with the bike he, his full commitment is there but there is that worry if you cannot pass brado around a track like Frauenfeld. Or women's field, as I found it was in German. Women's field in German is Frauenfeld. Uh, fact fans. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, the fact that he couldn't get around Prada was a bit concerning, I thought, uh, for him, because uh, he would definitely have wanted to get through and, and, and make that statement. And I think he might have pushed Runner had he got past Prada, mm. uh, but he couldn't. So that was uh, that was a shame. But, uh, yeah, obviously, Prada is notoriously hard to pass, as we've, we've seen in the years of that, that, that two Chantal Hurlings um, situation. But he had that really nice little line fever. He passed quite a few guys that cut and did it to the inside just before the, the finish jump. And he, um, yeah, a few sort of thread the eye of the needle moves a few guys were putting on there. It was pretty entertaining. But I reckon, um, Valandrin obviously deserves a lot of credit. Um, he's had two, he's had a pretty good start to the year, probably not got the, not as been heralded as a lot of the other guys, but he was impressive on the weekend and a track that's probably not normally associated with his skill set but he's good on everything he's he's another one of those guys that there's just so many good dudes and they're um they're just such complete riders and they're really maturing i think he's you know 26 now and he's got a lot of experience and a lot of quality and definitely on not a factory bike he's he's doing a mega job isn't he yeah absolutely i mean vlander moved up past uh, fernandez and colton hoff in the championship this weekend um, up to fifth now, and, and that's a good, solid result. I mean, you're there behind Factory Gas, Gas, 
factory KTM, mm. factory Yamaha, factory Kawasaki, and and if he's the first on non-factory bikes and he's ahead of the factory HRC, admittedly, um, Ruben is obviously their sort of number two technically, although he was the the first Grand Prix winner. But again, he's got Coldenhoff and Sierra back behind him, seventh and eighth in the championship, uh, and yeah, for for Carvin to come out of that weekend in that position is great, and uh, he can definitely build on that. I think there is a Grand Prix win, mm. definitely a podium possibly a Grand Prix win uh, in his sights this year. And I think that's certainly uh, achievable for him. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting season. I mean, we've still got, you know, 16 rounds of this. It's virtually a whole championship mm. back in the day. You know, it's, it's still still one hell of a year to come. So, uh, and it's very, very much bam, 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 straight in. And uh, we've got some cracking tracks to come. You know, yeah. Trentino is, to my mind, one of the best. Um, and I think they're running it around the other the, the way the sort of opposite direction, if you like, um, in that they turn left at the start and go back along the pit grid way. I think that's the way they're doing it. Plus they did in the winter anyway. So yeah, then you've got Portugal and Spain. I love Aguada. Great one. Not a massive fan of the Spanish track, but you know, it's uh, okay. Um, Don't like those shopping mall vibes, mate. It's pretty close to one of them. Yeah, it's, it's one where you get your trolley out. Yeah, it's definitely a bit, uh, a bit of a strange one with that one. Lots of you need to thought when you when you park up at the Stein Gate, are you looking for the meter to to make sure you don't lose out? Good, good for the wives and girlfriends to get them over the line, though, mate. So entice them to the GP with that that carrot. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't get away with that with my missus. I couldn't say that sort of thing. Uh, at the the, the the French one though I am so looking forward to the French one I, I'm hoping that I'm going to be there for that one yep. um, Villars is just an absolute classic and uh, if I do get there then I, I very much um, uh, want to be jumping off of the big downhill Ricky Johnson style with the arms aloft that's something that I really want to have a photo of me doing and I'll see if I can hunt down a number two shirt that he wore that day but yeah either way um, yeah there's got some great circuits to come and um, Toshintal is always a good one yeah knock yep. it Lommel. So yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a stacked season to come. But MX two showed itself a little I bit. Just, more could I just quickly have a couple couple more words on MXGP? Obviously those guys have sort of separated themselves as that we expected it to be five with um Jeremy uh, up there too. He hasn't really had anything what he expected yeah. or what we expected start to the season. The kit was uh exceptional on the weekend, but definitely big highlight that one. Um but I just a couple of words on some guys like Gio, like and Ferrato in the on the Saturday as well. But Gio was he's a he knew that this was his kind of a track. Those first two are not really him. He's a hard pack man, like we saw in Turkey last year to finish the season. And yeah, he looked great, didn't he? he was passing Colton off. He was yeah. leveling it like he was really impressive. And Lupino had had, had an okay day and Pacharel, these guys are you know, even Watson, it was good to see him getting ninth overall and having a bit of a uptick in performance, mate, for the for the British crowd and yeah, yes. it was a little, uh, just to go further down the list, good to see Tonus back. He was, uh, you know, top 15 speed, uh, top 10 almost yeah, yeah. speed, obviously second one didn't go to plan, but just cool to have a guy like that back. And Kevin Bruman, obviously Swiss as well, not the weekend, but um, Conrad showed glimpses and, yeah. and obviously, and then guys like Brent Van Donick and Brian Bogers had weekends to forget. And um Bogus back on the Hondas. It's uh, it's not proving so great so far, but we know he's got the talent and 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 the class to really to, to do some damage. But it's it's not quite been the start the standing construct guys wanted, has it? No, I feel like um the the the, the pace has moved up uh, again this year uh, away from 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 Bogus really. Um, I mean Guio to touch on Guio briefly. I mean he's 
he's definitely of the character. Whereas Seaware will perhaps feel the pressure because he thinks that, you know, he's thinking himself a title hopeful this year. So he will feel the pressure more at his home GP. Although you can do nothing about accident or cross jump in and, you know, that first lap incident mm, yeah. for, for Seaware really sort of put pay to his uh, weekend almost before it started, which was a, a real massive shame, especially for the fans there. But Guia is always going to be the kind that is just going to feed off of the the fervour of the chainsaws and things like that. You know, Guia is always going to be one that will just, just going to twist it that little bit harder, you know? So, yeah, it's good to see him. He actually, um, he uh, more than doubled his points total from this weekend. Yeah, you know, he's, he's, he took home twenty nine points from from his home round, uh, which le- leaves him on fifty four. So yeah, that's definitely more than uh, than half of his total for the year done. And yeah, great to see Ben Watson in the top ten. Mm. I mean, you know, the, that bike is, I would say, it's probably even less favoured than Kenny Suzuki. You know, it is, people are looking at it like it's like, you know, really not. I mean, I saw one of those the enduro bikes at the West Beach race last year the factory beater enduro bike um rider did the uh did the beach race and um it was scary what they were changing <laughs> you know it was like, you're changing that um you know so that was quite weird but uh yeah so for him to be on that thing uh, and put it into the top 10 a great for the bike great to have another competitive machine up there and just great to get a brit up there in a in a red white and blue kind of get up as well which is quite cool but um yeah that's that's really promising um, and mm. every, everybody, every British fan I know really wants Ben to do well. Um, yeah. He deserves it. He's a he's a great kid and he's a great rider and uh, just a bit more extra confidence. And uh, yeah, to get him up there would be fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, Con- Conrad as well. Good to see him chancing his arm just after he, he raced on the Friday, which is something yeah. you covered. Um, but yeah, Guadagnini is a bit of a mischance for him. He'll be frustrated that he got such a good start because he's got that in him, uh, like we saw at the Nations. Uh, had a bit yeah. of a laugh with uh, Coach Burfield uh, about the start, giving him the pointers to, <laughs> to get out of the gate. But, um, yeah, he, he knows how hard it's going to be speaking to him, um, you know, a few times this year. He knows he's got to get the starts and he knows that he's got to take advantage of those chances. Um, happy birthday to him, by the way. But, yeah, he was he was flying early and he looks good. He just – he gets that start. He'd be so frustrated to, to, to let it to let it go and – Quite a quite an elegant dismount, mind you, but yeah, it's not not what he not the weekend he wanted for sure, mate. And I'm, I know you wanted to hit yeah. MX two, mate, and um, got on with the predictions uh, over there. We both thought uh, the likes of Tebow would be very good, and was it you that was big on Adamo too, wasn't it? So it was, I, I picked Adamo, yeah, partially um, yep. because we had an Italian with us, uh, yes. Renzo. <laughs> didn't influence me one bit. Just trying to make no. friends. Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, with Benetton, we was like, yeah, it's tight. The time is now for him in those ruts and that hard stuff and his technique and his uh, the way his little nuances and he's balanced and, you know, he, he uses his body. He, we knew that he'd probably be excellent there and um, it came to fruition, didn't it? It did, um, although it's got to be said that Iago was yeah. still the fastest rider on track, yeah. uh, you know, and uh, uh, after I'd said he'd given Kate, uh, Chase Sexton the cold, I think he called it back again, which was a real shame that he, um, yeah, suddenly started uh, yeah. uh, shelling points again with multiple crashes. Um, you know, we, we're talking um, a good uh, a good two or three of them, weren't there, in the, mm. in the races. So um, it's a real shame. Um, I hope it's not the start of something. Um, because I honestly think there is not a a Tom Vial pressure maker in, in amongst the MX2 field this year, because Vial was one, yes, Geert did gift him some points, but Vial 
put him under pressure and made and, and made those mistakes, I think, become a factor. Um, so, yeah, I think he can recover from this, and I really hope he does for his own sake. Um, mm. Because if he's not world champion this year, then I, I fear for his mental health, you know, because, like, yeah, he's, he's been the man and, um, yeah, lost it so many times. But I, I really hope that, uh, yeah, he does pull back it through, although it does make for exciting racing when he doesn't. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he sort of dropped back a little bit. But, yeah, we, he was obviously fastest in both motos. Like, his speed was just relentlessly good. So he'll be very frustrated. It wasn't so bad. Like, I think he's lost um, nine points from the race day on on Benestomp. But, yeah, you don't often see Yago getting a fifth overall, that's for sure. It's not, not something that's usually podium lock-on for him. Uh, yeah, what Prado's been doing so, but yeah, Damo deserves a lot of credit too, mate. He loves the harder stuff, and there's three pretty unique tracks, and he'll be happy to be where he is to start the year. They've been all very different, all you know, you know, one, interesting ones to see where everyone sits ahead of the maybe the more tracks that people are more used to riding, I guess you could say, in the future. And yeah, what what was your take on the Damo and then um, Tyler Wolf and? Vandermosdijk, great weekends for them. It was really cool to see yeah. Rowan getting that win. You can see how much it meant to him. He's been through a lot. He's had the shoulder injury um, and, and many injuries over the years. He's had a few team switches and just a really humble, uh, nice kid. Um, last year in MX2, I'm pretty sure, and he, he, he wants to stamp his mark, and that's the best way to do it because he obviously, I think in Sardinia around that time, he had a little bit of illness too, so he couldn't form at his peak there, but uh, he, look, he looked good, didn't he, mate? He did, yeah. I mean, for a while there, the, the two the two Dutch kids on the Huskies were going to make all us pundits look like total idiots because they were there. Oh, this is the French hard hard packed track, the way they're going to score. And then it was a Dutch one two on the Nistan <laughs> Huskies. I'm like, oh my god, they look like complete prats here. But uh, yeah, he um, they they were really well. Kai came from way back, mm. um, kind of a hurling zest kind of charge going on through there. If he'd have started that second race uh, in front, then he would have uh, won it. I feel and. Um, and but and also been a, a much bigger factor in race two because I think after charging in race one he didn't quite have as much in him uh, to pull through the pack when he didn't get a good start again uh, in race two. So yeah, I mean those those two boys did fantastic and yeah, Rowan's had a an awful year or so. Um, so it's nice to for him for, to see him get up there. Um, so yeah, those guys are really quick. I mean, I, I did say let me backtrack on my comments just slightly earlier there. Yeah, there, I don't think there is a Vial that's in there to push here but if he does slip up there's a bigger pack of riders that are closer um because you have got your adamos langenfelders vandermos dyke guide wolf um you know there's a bunch of them there together langenfelder i did mention to nyan adamo of course um that are now i think a level above where they were the year before so it is definitely a more stacked pack um just shy of that if yago does come down he's going to remount in seventh as opposed to third, you know, and then he's going to find it tough to recover again. So if he does make the mistakes, he's going to lose more points. I think it's going to be the thing for Diago. Um, so yeah, um, but there's a signing clutch riders there. So we know if yeah. Hirsch does win and Hirsch will obviously then move on, it's going to be a very good championship in 2024 yeah. between these boys. Yeah, on the other hand from that, it's uh, maybe Yago might think it's a positive that there's so many guys to take points from each other, not just Vial grabbing all True. those points. So it's, um, yeah. It's, good. it's both sides of the coin, really, but he won't. He will just want to win to avoid it because yeah. um, I think he's proven he's he's the fastest guy and he's got, he's more experienced than a lot of the other guys. He's he's had years and he's, he's you know he's runner up often and 
yeah, it's, it's his time. The time is now for him. And, um, yeah, moving on to Langenfelder, obviously not um, – he hasn't started the season anywhere near what we expected or what he expected. Speaking of him pre-season, he, he, well, he, he's not like a, you know, arrogant, like I'm going to win. You know, he's a, he's yeah. a humble, measured, calculated, um, intelligent young guy. But he, he was definitely wanting to be a contender and, and winning, uh, getting on the podium way more often than he has so far. But he was riding was pretty good, I must say. Um, obviously, the, the – Overall, is not probably reflecting that, but his riding was good. And same with um, Everts. He his riding was a lot better, not the result, but he, he definitely came away from that with a bit more confidence and a little bit of a boost. Those two guys. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, uh, Liam's biggest um, scoring weekend so far. He's made steady progress. Um, his best result still a fifth in race one Argentina, but um, having put together then an, an eight six card after fitting sixth in the qualifying race. Uh, that's um, yeah, that's his best haul of the of the year so far from a single GP. So um, I think he's just got to take the attitude that it's progress, um, mm-hmm. and um, you know just just get to the, used to the fact that it's not going to come to him that easily and quickly. Uh, maybe not as easily and quickly as it did for his father. Um, but um, you know, I think still at the age he's at, uh, first year on a factory bike, um, he's eighth in the championship level on points with Kevin Horgmo. Um, those guys are about seven or eight points behind uh, uh, the pair of them. Van der Moosdijk and Langenfeld are very to get very much together, uh, sort of close to being equal mm. fifth. Uh, and then you got the pack of three: Benistón, De Wolf, and Adamo snapping at each other's heels for second, with Yago uh, a twenty-point buffer at the top. So, yeah, um, and another one that was impressive as well: Lucas Kunin. I mean, right yeah. up there again on the husky. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Obviously, the second one didn't go to plan, and the qualifying race didn't go to plan. But you can tell the talent, the skill. Um, yeah, he's a he's a super super talented rider, and just one of those guys that needs to piece the whole weekend together. But you, he's only sixteen. It's you know you get high expectations for these guys so early, and you sort of got to temper them because he's yeah. he is so young, but he's um he's got a massive future ahead of him both. In the, in the short term, yeah, in yeah, in Europe, and then obviously in America when when he heads over ine- inevitably in a couple of years. But um, yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe yeah, he's going to be he's, he's super good, and um, yeah, I reckon Trentino he, he'll be he'll come out swinging, and it's going to be a hard hard track like like um, you know Maxime was saying when I spoke to him in in his class MXGP and MX2. There's there's not a lot of guys separating. Um, from each other, especially on tracks like this and probably tracks like Trentino. There's not a lot of separation. It's all pretty close. And, yeah, if, whoever gets the start is uh, has a massive, you know, advantage on the rest of them like Prado has shown. So, yeah, the MX2. Yeah. So we go, I'll, I'll just go down through the list quickly. Jan Pansar, great Saturday, led some laps. Yeah. Um, he's, always, he's, he's doing a pretty impressive job on the setup he has. He, he ran that top 10 and... You know, yeah, ninth sure. overall. And Weckman had a pretty impressive ride, obviously finishing just ahead of Elzinger, who's um, obviously not, maybe still not 100% after the Sardinia, um, the troubles he had there with his health. Um, and now, obviously, we spoke to Chambers, and he had finished just ahead of David Braceras, who's shown shown a little bit of speed. And same with Oliver, yeah. who's great on the starts. And like, I you think, um, and then Mikel so Braceras was the carry guy that uh, yes. Chambers was referring to. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, and then um, yeah, well, well, and Harrop obviously he he showed good speed and just a couple of mistakes yeah. and a little bit of uh, bike issues cost him on the new WZ Racing team that he's obviously left um, the Cowie Dixon mob for which Chambers has taken that ride. So Harrop, I think mm. 
better things to come for him. He's obviously another one that had minimal time on that bike, minimal prep, not ideal, but still, I think yeah. he could be a, a major player in the future rounds. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, um, you're saying about the, the, there's not much separation, and and they all go into a track now that most of them know. I mean, yeah. Chambers is probably the only one uh, that is going to feel a bit unfamiliar with Trentino, um, which is a feeling he's going to have to get used to all season. But uh, yeah, he might well know it from the computer game, though. So you never know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, everybody's going to Trentino. Everybody knows that circuit. You know, they've done more Grand Prix there than virtually any other in the last few years, especially with the COVID years as they were. Mm. But um, yeah, uh, Trentino is going to be very close racing because of that. All the bikes, all the setups will be spot on. So we'll see really who, you know, nobody can really use the setup excuse yeah. for Trentino, to my mind. You know, then everybody knows what, what they're going to deal with there. And uh, yeah, that's where you'll see who's, um, I think I think you'll see a more, level playing field i think you'll really see who's uh who's the strongest rider this weekend yeah but obviously a lot of those guys were just just there a couple of months ago for that uh the pre-season race uh the italian yeah. international where guys are obviously had that uh, savage injury um yeah the early reports were that he was going to come back for trentino but i think that'll probably be revised i don't think we'll see him there but um predictions for trentino mate um we'll start with mx2 i guess um I think it's hard to. It's probably hard to go past um, Yago, Benestant, and Kai. Um, obviously, those guys, especially Benestant and DeWolf, that after after Sardinia, they're like, we just got to get on the podium every round. Um, yeah, you know, that's what you got to do. Especially Kai in the first first round in Argentina wasn't happy. Had speed, a um, little bit of issues finding the limits at the that track. Had a couple of mistakes, but he's, he's he looks like he's back in really really good form. So yeah, it's hard to go past those three. And I think Langenfeld is due for a really good ride um, on the, on a hard surface. I think that could be pretty interesting. And Lucas Coonan, throw it in there again, mate. I think uh, we should see him battling with the front if he can get the starts and avoid the drama. So that's your prediction then, is that? Is I'm going to go for Yago. Obviously, Adamo is going to be good, but I think I'll have to go with Yago, Tebow and, and Kai. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I just see it's just Yago's speed is undeniable. It's just on all surfaces, really, at this point. It's hard to go, but I like I like you to, to maybe a little bit off center, mate. Let's hear it. <laughs> so just pick the obvious favorite and then let, let land me in it. Okay. Another hospital ball from the Aussie. Uh, let me have a look. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I think um, I'm going to stick with Adamo. I think Adamo yep. takes his first GP win this weekend. I think it's uh, the Italians always run well on home soil um, more than any other. And I think uh, if we're going to have a dramatic, exciting championship in terms of like the title itself is going to be in doubt, they need to be beaten here at this circuit. And especially for Adamo, if he gets a big boost to his confidence the way that Cairoli did when he went through the pack that year at Trentino, one of the most incredible yeah. Trentino where is that, races. Where he's just passing everyone on that bank, just jamming everyone yeah. on that bank, yeah. <laughs> That's it. He left traces of orange plastic, green plastic, yeah. white plastic, red plastic <laughs> in that bank where he slammed them into it. That, that one on Paul was savage where they put the foot up and it's just... Yeah, yeah just... 
Wow, that's brilliant. You know, that's uh, that's something that the best riders do. And uh, that that really catapulted Cairoli towards that championship. Uh, and I think this could really kickstart Adamo's season and make him a contender, especially if Hirtz has another bad day. So um, I don't wish it upon him, but it will make it exciting if he doesn't. So, uh, yeah, Adamo's my pick for the win. Um, and I think you'll see Benestant on the podium uh, and probably Hirtz as well. Yep. Okay. Well, well, we'll switch the focus to MXGP, mate, and I'll um, I won't go the tried and tested. I'm going to go Jeremy Sewer. Obviously, very good. Ooh. Knows his way around there. Um, very good in preseason there too. It, it's it is time to sort of pull everything together now. He's he's just a super rider. He's he likes the bike. He's still waiting on a few things to really get it how he wants it. I believe. And um, yeah, I think we're going to see Jeremy, and then I'm I'm pretty big on Maxime as well for second, and then Roman as well. Can't ride off Hurlings and Prado at your risk, but I think uh, we'll, we'll go for those Frenchies up there too, mate. So is that is that a bit more to your liking that that pick trend? <laughs> <laughs> so basically, yeah. So you've got Seaware, Renault, and Fevre. Renault and Fevre. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I think you're forgetting Prado again. Oh, I did um, mention the hard to ride off Prado. Did, did, did mention, just on this track, it. we're going for this once, mate. Can't be right all the time. <laughs> um, it's it's weird because there's what I would like to happen and there's what I think will happen. Uh, it's almost like you've got to go Prado for the Saturday, for sure. <laughs> Prado's keeping that black plate. He's just keeping it. Uh, yeah, he's keeping the sole possession of them. No one <laughs> else is going to get one um, because he's just too good uh, in, in those days. So... Um, but I think I think I'll go for Fevre winning. Yeah, I think I like he, it. In a, in a similar way, he needs to establish himself now. It's round four. Um, he's been there or thereabouts, and I think for his own championship campaign and his mental approach, I think he also needs to put one over on Renault. I think Renault could well be the sort of premier Frenchman coming through, and. Um, yeah, Fevre needs to to nip that in the bud, and he, I think he does what's necessary this weekend. I think it will be Fevre uh, that will be out there, um, and then I'm going to go for Prado second overall, but top score for the weekend. Yeah, winning the weekend <laughs> to, to continue the trend, yeah. um, and then I think yeah, Renault third. I think uh, it's uh, between those guys. I I I. I my opinion of Seaworth as a championship contender, I'm afraid, is kind of waning. Um, I like the guy and I think he's uh, an awesome professional, but I just, when he's had the chance, he hasn't got there. Um, and that's a shame, but I think that uh, if, we're, if we're picking and uh, reputations are on the line, uh, yeah. then, uh, yeah, I would say Fevre is, is one I would um, be picking for this weekend. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's sad because he obviously was probably the, the the elite contender. We were all probably saying ahead of the season and just mistakes and a bit of bad luck and just some just some crazy things that's happened to him. Really, it's not uh, not in yeah. his hands all of it. And because he, you know, he was even if he does have an amazing rest of the season, it's just a long way back, isn't it? Like it's a it's a, it's a so yeah. many points and with those other guys so consistent and so many of them okay. so consistent. Like we were saying, it's it's pretty crazy. But to look at Trentino as well before I, well, well you probably get the numbers up there it's um there could be yeah. some guys that really really throw it in there like Fernandez and and Calvert yeah. and Morato and Gio and and Watson was quite good there in the preseason race he was running up there and Matteo Guadagnini will be looking for something there for sure and maybe someone like Rabini's good good on the hard pack and mm-hmm. Pacharel's he's been steady on on the program he has he's done well and 
hopefully we see some more out of um, the standing construct boys too. I'm really looking forward to them to sort of kick into gear, eh? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I was just looking to see how far Seawer is back. So he's on 79 points now. So he's uh, 76 points back mm. of Prado in um, eighth in the championship. So, yeah, there's there's going to be a lot of guys. I mean, with this um, run of circuits now, we've got Trentino, then Aguado, then Spain, and then Villars um, before we start going back to the soft stuff of Kagans. Um, so, you know, you've got a very a very solid run of hard-packed circuits and the likes of Fernandez and Guadagnini will be rubbing their hands. This is where they need to make their progress. This is where they need to make their points over the the, the, the guys who are better on the sand. Um, so, yeah, the... the it favors them, but it also puts pressure on them because this is when they need to make hay. Yeah, so. yeah. it's shaping up really well in both classes. Actually, like the parity's um, extremely good, and you know yeah. the racing's been very good, and you know everything's sort of really looking good for MXGP this year. Um, we're having a blast covering it, aren't we, mate? And yeah, sort of I mean, storylines. There's lots of things going on, and the chambers injection of uh, the American audience and that, that yeah. flavor. It, it really enhances the series and yeah, we hope the fans are really, really enjoying it like we are. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, the one year when uh, you and I start uh, be- becoming a, a punter and have our voices out there predicting what's going on, it becomes the most unpredictable season in MXGP for many a year. So that's just how it plays. That's how my life has gone. So I thank everybody can thank uh, the randomness we were bringing to it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's been stunning. I mean, and yeah, we genuinely are really struggling to pick a winner because you've got, yeah, you're running out of fingers on one hand uh, for, for accounting the guys that could win. And that's wonderful for the sport. Um, yeah, we so, have yeah, yeah. seven winners last year in MXGP. I don't know if we'll get that many this year, but the potential to do so is there, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, I, I certainly think so. I think there's, there's you could pick eight or nine up there because we, we didn't even mention Glenn Coldenhoff. No. He always well the Trentino, you know, uh, on that Yamaha as well. A start, two two good starts, two good motors. Yeah, he, could well, he just won a moto in Sardinia, didn't he? And he looked pretty flawless there. And obviously, he's adjusting to having a having a new baby, and he's obviously got him getting his routine settled. And this is yeah. uh, obviously, like he said, sleeping in a different room because that that sleep's just as important as as doing the work on the bike, doing the work off the bike, and. Yeah, he, he's obviously won't be happy at all with that weekend. Probably not his no. favorite track, and just yeah, one that he'll want to quickly move on from. And they, for some, they get the opportunity to move on extremely quickly with a short week, then bang Trentino. For others, it's probably not ideal. And it's, for some teams, are traveling, you know, they're not going to get that extra day on the bike or get that extra day of recovery. It's gonna, I don't know, that'll throw up any any interesting um, developments. Mm. It's, it's a yeah, strange that's schedule, something. isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, it's a very strange scheduling decision. I don't know if they would go that way. Uh, there was talk of there being tra- traditional Easter races at Switzerland, so that's why they ran that weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It is what it is. It's done. And, uh, yeah, let's get on with the season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's looking, uh, it's looking very impressive. And just any final thoughts, mate? Do you want to have any um, any closing thoughts on anything? WMX, EMX, 125, um, all the classes are looking pretty excellent. Um, you must say in front's doing a good job of, organizing it and um, a lot of full gates going on especially in these yeah. more mainland european rounds sort of the heartbeat of the series these kind of areas um everything's in a pretty good direction yeah it was you know, encouraging to see the numbers um uh, on the grid uh, for mxgp in particular um you know I, i've you, you can argue that after the first few corners it's very much immaterial especially to the tv footage um but yeah it is good to see that big 40 rider grid go into the, st- the first corner uh it creates a few more lapped riders but that also can create a bit of drama 
so that's not not such a bad thing. Um, and yeah, I mean, you can tell the standard when they're lapping Conrad Muse. You know, that's pretty scary. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great for Conrad to get his first MXGP points, got to be said. And like you say, after his hectic weekend, then, you know, that's fair enough. So, um, but yeah, it just shows you the sort of standard they're at because Conrad is seriously fast. Oh, yeah. Um, even if he's not quite at the same level of board as he is at home. But um, yeah, so it's going to be, uh, yeah, it's going to be an entertaining year. And yeah, I think um, um, in terms of uh, you, Pop me something then I was going to say. Oh, yeah, the uh, EMX 125 looked, looked like a really good race. Really, really well worth watching. And the WMX series, you've got three riders with a point between them. Yeah. You've got, you got uh, yeah, Van Drunen on 86. You've got Duncan on 85. And the... Um, uh, the f- Spanish lady whose name I keep forgetting. Guillen, yeah, that's it. Yeah, is on. Is there? Is there on? Also on eighty-five points. So yeah, they're they're bound together, uh, and the next round is in Spain as well. So um, yeah, for for sure that will be one to watch. And uh, uh, the tricks over here, Rip. Yeah, yeah. As, as Jack said, it's pretty <laughs> impressive. Like you see some of them do. You know, I think Charlie Cannon's an Aussie girl, and she's like super fast. Yes, and young. Um, and you know they race against men, and they they beat a lot of lot of men in those domestic series and they probably would beat some of the the you know professionals <laughs> if they were ready to race against them and it's amazing how fast they are and how how far that's that's come these days and just to just to quickly look ahead to Trentino another thing we should I just wanted to mention I believe Adam Sterry is going to be racing there haven't spoken to him oh, so great. Grid on the grid he was he's got his team he loves that team the Sarholz boys and they give him that bit of flexibility to do some GPs, so we'll probably see him, yeah, about five or six GPs, and I'm pretty sure he, he had Trentino on one of them, and we should see AJ Jasikonis back this this weekend. Nice. So it's always good to fill the grid with some of those established guys that people know, and this is great for the series, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be um, a bit strange to not see Geiser Corner, though. Yeah, you know, yeah. Corner of Trentino where it's just Two, covered four, in yellow three guys. Moke and it's like yeah they're not there anymore and that's, that's going to be that's going to put a hole in the Trentino GP I think but you know it'll be up to Italian guys to fill that void I think so yeah I'm maybe, sure maybe I'm they sure can uh, cheer for Pangsa the, the other Slovenian out there maybe <laughs> turn it into they'll that. be there yeah they'll still be there I think that's their big annual get out together top so yeah I expect they'll be there I expect guys who will probably be there in person as well yeah. uh, just to encourage it and make a, uh, an appearance I think if yeah. uh, if I was in this I'd do so Hopefully he will, but yeah, not a, um, not a bad think, place to go for a GP. I believe uh, James and Jeremy will be there on site this weekend, enjoying the enjoy the scenery and enjoy the racing. It should be um should be a great weekend, mate. Yeah, I'll be um I'll be covering it and posting results in and around my stints on the um, endurance world championship. Uh, commentary. I'm commentating on the Mon uh, this weekend with a certain Jack Burnicle who's on the the, the um, Eurosport MXGP commentary, and uh, he's going to be yep. doing this uh, Endurance World Championship round. And um, sadly, I couldn't nip in and steal the MXGP commentary. And at the end of VWC, they picked somebody else, which was really annoying. But there you go. that's that's just my impressional gripe. But uh, yeah, I'll still be watching the uh, the racing in between the uh, in between my stints there. So yeah, it'd be cool. I have a little dual screen going on. <laughs> yeah, mate, it should be another great weekend. And um, thanks. For Thanks very much for joining us on the MX Vice Show. And um, to close it out, we'd just like to thank Kawasaki Motors UK. They are pleased to announce the arrival of the new KLX 140R range. The easy-to-ride KLX 140R lineup offers a 144cc engine, flush suspension, and push-button electric start, making for great trailblazers. KLX 140R machines come in three different sizes, ranging from juniors' first tentative steps to pushing the door wide open to an adult riding. The highly regarded KLX 140R range is ready and willing to add fun and enjoyment in 2023. Contact your local off-road dealership 
for more information. And that's been episode 121 of the MX Vice Show. Thanks for joining us, Ben. Thanks for joining us, Jack Chambers. And uh, thanks again for all the listeners and the readers. The site's doing really well. Um, We really appreciate it. So all the best and have a great week.